theater ensemble work, I think, teaches young ki kids and children that it's not about competition, it's about collaboration. It's really mm -hmm. about working together in order to find a result that we can all um, support, you know? Um, and and I, I think that's why I love improv also too so much because it's it just taps into that inner that inner being that place that we kind of tend to lock away when we get older because of fear of rejection or judgment. Improv gets to open us up if we're open, right, to to it. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Meta Hour podcast with Sharon Salzberg. I'm Lily Cushman. I produce this wonderful podcast. Today we have episode 219, and we're continuing on with the Real Life series in celebration of Sharon's new book by the same name. Sharon is speaking today with the wonderful Joelle Leon. Joelle is someone who has made several appearances on the podcast before. Today's interview was actually part of the Living an Authentic Life Summit that happened earlier in 2023 that was part of Sharon's book launch. And this recording took place on day three of the summit, which was exploring the theme of expansion, openness, curiosity, connection, so that's the theme for the whole conversation. There's a lot here speaking about community and the community in particular for marginalized and disenfranchised folks and the exploration of love in the realm of activism, facing trauma, and a lot of the practices of gratitude and saying yes that Joel integrates into his daily life and Joel shares deeply about his experience of being an artist as a black man and how joy has become a practice for him in his work, in his life as a father and a creator and a person. So we're delighted to have Joel back. Let's dive into today's episode, Sharon Salzberg and Joel Leon. Hi, and welcome back to The Summit. I'm Sharon Salzberg, and I'm so happy to be speaking today with my friend and ever-inspiring voice, Joelle Leon. We'll be hearing Joelle's perspective on today's theme of expansion, those times in our lives when we feel most expansive and how to enhance them. Joelle is a performer, author, and storyteller, born and raised in the Bronx, who writes and tells stories for Black people. He's been featured in the Columbia Journal, BBC News, Sirius XM, Forbes, Insider, Medium, Philadelphia Printworks, Blavity, and the Huffington Post. He has spoken and performed at the Apollo Theater, Joe's Pub, Rockwood Music Hall, Columbia University, NYU, and Webster Hall. He is the author of a book about things I will tell my daughter, and God wears do-rags too, and a father to Lila and West. So I first found Joel. We met uh on twitter we didn't really meet but i found him <laughs> and and i was just like everything he wrote i was retweeting or i was liking and i thought who is this guy <laughs> i don't know who he is you know 
And to this day, we have not met in person. We've not mm. been in the same room, but I have confidence that will happen. Yes. Uh, I'm so happy uh, to be talking to you today, Joelle. You've been on my podcast several times, mm. uh, and here's a, a new form. And I really love you, and we've never even met in person. I love you so much, Sharon. I do. I'm so, you know, it's like one of those things. Um, I, I, I had a really great conversation um, last night with a friend of mine, Deja Riley. Um, and you know, uh, so much of the the talk was about community, and um, and I'm so like utterly grateful and thankful for you inviting me into your community. Um, the love is indeed reciprocal. I think you know that already. Um, yeah. But yeah. like, I'm I'm in deep gratitude, like for you, honestly. Like I talk about you all the time. Like I'll oh, be I'll so be bragging sweet. about you. I'm like, yeah, Yo, you know, Sharon Salzburg. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> You know, that's you know, that's the homie. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, like it, it's yeah, it, it's yeah. You're a big deal. I appreciate you. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you. I wonder if you could share some with our audience a little bit about the path that's led you mm. to who you are today. You know, uh, someone was asking me, um, <laughs> like, how did you learn this stuff? And I was like, well, you know, I, I say, you know, I say Tower Brock, I say Sharon Salzberg, I say um, Sylvia Borstein, I say. Um, you know, like I, I think there are folks who who, who have created a path, a, a pathway, um, for 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 mindfulness for me. And so, um, I think uh, I don't know. You know, I, nature, nurture, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, like uh, my, my I think Linda T, my mom and my father Charles Lorenzo for sometimes maybe not um, giving me the language or the tools, but. Um, their experiences grounding me, I think, in a way that's allowed me to to um, be curious. You know, like I, I think I've always been really curious about the world and and wanting to ask questions. And and I think my art has really been the the the, the big catalyst for more of that inquiry, right? Of like spirit and 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 work and and love and and those kind of being, I think, like the north stars, if you will, for um, how I try to show up in the work. You know, I, even now I'm talking. I think about the first time you and I talked. Um, can you, my dog is eating soil right now, by the way, can oh, you stop doing that? Get down from there. Don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, it, the, 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 I, I remember like the, the sense of like urgency I always felt and I don't feel as urgent <laughs> anymore. And I think a lot of that is because of the practice, you know, and, and, and art being part of that practice. And mm -hmm. the constant reminder of like being able to come back to whatever self you know, I'm identifying with at the time um, and recognizing like how impermanent all of that is, right? And like even the art is just like, it's, it's, I'm just a vessel. And I think the more I've continued to do the work, the more I've realized that like, oh, it's, whether it's the music, whether it's the poetry, whether it's like the conversations, it's really the vessel for bridging the gaps for community, you know? Um, but like a lot of it, it was just like, it's, it's you being part of the practice and, and, and helping that practice and me listening and reading. And just really being curious about that. Like, I don't know this and I want to know more and trying to continue to do that as I journey, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there's a lot more to that. I, you you know yeah, a lot of this yeah, stuff. But yeah. like, I think if I had to give like the overarching <laughs> story, that would be that. Mm -hmm. That's great. So in my newest book that's coming out uh, called Real Life, I explore how we can begin to live more authentically, moving from places of contraction and isolation to expansion and openness and one thing I've often read of yours is how our story gets to shift, mm. how it's not a set narrative we have to be pigeonholed into, 
And what does this look like in your life? And how has it brought you into a more expansive expression of yourself? Mm, that's a beautiful question. I think, um, you know, for, uh, people used to call me wishy-washy because, you know, I, I'd be into something and then, like, I'd change my mind. And not even change my mind. I've I've been very much go with the flow kind of, but more about like what, what feels right for my spirit. You know, like I, I think about the seasonality of, of art a lot. And so there are seasons where I am more, um, more of a poet than I am mm -hmm. like a rapper, or there are more seasons, at least in the past, where I was more of like a, a thespian than I was like an essayist, you know, they would alternate. Sometimes those things would all share space together simultaneously, depending on what my capacity was. Um, but like I've just paid attention to the shift, like we're all pivoting, and I think the more rigid, I I think the more I realized, like the more rigid I got in those stances of like, oh well, I have to do it this way, and it has to be this way, and I have to make art in this way. The the less productive the art was, the less intentional it was, and and the less magical it was, you know. And so, I think for me, you know, it's it's from being curious and I'm paying attention, right? Then I can look at nature as like a guiding as a guiding principle too, right? Like like the seasons exist for a reason. Um, and, and so I think I've been, I've trusted that in, in my art practice and that art practice, which I, is essentially like my my life practice, right? Like they, 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 I don't believe really in like compartmentalizing those things. Like they all kind of live in tandem with each other. They feed each other, you know? Um, so I think for me, the, the, the more that I saw that the, the the real harmony was in being able to just pay attention to to like how those waves went as opposed to trying to force them to be anything else the 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 more the more harmonious i felt the more peace i felt you know like this is the most peaceful i think i've ever felt in my entire life and and part of that is because i'm not striving anymore there's there used to be a lot of like i need to get this thing this thing and then i would get these things and then just always more things you know um and i think the shifting for me has just been like, oh, okay, it doesn't, I don't have to stay in one place, you know, because nothing stays in one place. And if I'm in harmony with like life and the existence and being in nature, then I get to move mm -hmm. around too. I get to be this thing one day and be another thing. And, and that's okay. Cause like, that's my truth, you know, it might not be somebody else's truth, but it's mine, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I had this funny memory when you were speaking, cause I'm um, speaking to you from Barry, Massachusetts yeah. and, Next door through the forest a little ways is the Insight Meditation Society. Oh, wow. And cool. you know, many years ago, um, Norman Fisher came to visit us and okay. he was the abbot of the Zen Center in San Francisco. And so uh -huh. it was this hugely prestigious role and you know, very important in, in the Buddhist community. And um he also was a poet, but mm. you know, almost nobody thought of him that way. Mm. And, you know, he came and we gave him a tour and we got into the office and one of the people working in the office, as we introduced him, said, Norman Fisher, the poet. And it's like, <laughs> he lit up and it was like, wow. That's so cool. Somebody knows I write poetry. <laughs> That's you know? so cool. I'm That's not just seen as the abbot, you know, like part of this lineage. And yeah. Yeah, it was so great. It was such a gift to him. It was like what a moment. You know? mm, that's it. It so even last night I was talking to this um to, to to this brother after this event I was at, and someone recognized him from a thing that he had acted in, and like you could see his face beam up because so much of that was like oh thank you for seeing me in this other practice, you know. 
so mm-hmm. often, I think, even for me, when I think about this, the, the story you just shared, I, I think about how, you know, what I appreciate and also, too, I think uh, I love about you in general, but also I think about our relationship is, like, how we see each other, you know? Um, and, like, not many people know that I make music. I think there are some people who see, like, the affirmations and don't go further, you know, than that, which is fine. Like, you know, again, capacity. But mm-hmm. there's something to be said for the folks that just take a little bit, a little bit more time to just um, dig below the surface. Because there's like a lot of other things that I get excited about that I'm actually more excited about, <laughs> you know. Um, so, like, I, I get it. I love that. I love that. Actually, I can't wait for you to see this book because there's a there's a little section in there on improv. Ooh. And yes, and, you know, so. I love it. I love you know, it. I can't I thought, wait. Wow. Oh, yeah. It'd be really great. I'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. You know, so I find that a sense of community is an important way to move beyond contraction mm-hmm. as it reminds us we're not alone and it offers us a place to ground ourselves and both share and receive love. Like maybe you can explain yes and an improv to us and um, talk a little bit about the role of community in all of this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, yes and, and, you know, Sometimes we go and yes, you know what I'm saying? It's like um it 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 has so many intersections. Um but like when I think of improv, what I get excited about is um the possibilities. You know, I, I and what I also too love about improv, we've been seeing it a lot, I think, more often, you know, when I think about the Upright Citizens Brigade, we think about Freestyle Love Supreme, of course. I think there's these ways that people are trying to bring improv into the workplace because they're trying to create more collaboration bigger ideas, things of that nature, you know? Um, And so I think for me, improv is really about how do we create community in ways that opens the door for um, more expansion, right? Like improv creates an opportunity to expand more, to expand more in a way that um, creates community in ways that I don't think we could actually realize existed, you know, because it, it allows us to dig for a deeper truth, a truth that's not like the instantaneous response to a thing, but how can I show up in this moment, you know, without pretense, without anything keeping us from um, like the fear or the inhibitions that I think can sometimes um, keep us from um, showing up for the work, you know, um, improv makes us uncomfortable, you know, um, I think the the best improv folks are the folks who just lean in. And I think for me, um, I think leaning in has become the biggest way for me to, uh, I think the biggest way for me to uh, discover my sense of self. And I think when we're doing improv the right way, that's what we get to do, right? We get to see, we get to see a person who's sitting across from us who's like pretending to be a fish. You know, and like, you just have to, you're going with it. You just go into the moment, you know, you go into the moment, you lean into the moment. And like, that can show up in our personal lives, right? The presence, like for me, more so than film, like even in theater, the the, the, the idea of, of, of a theatrical ensemble um, can be life affirming and life changing because there's an energy that exists when it's like, I am solely reliant on you. You know, like this is not an ego driven platform. Improv and theater is very much contingent on the community working together in tandem in order to create a moment and not necessarily having a defined moment. You know, improv, there's no, there, you can create finality, but it doesn't necessarily exist unless we create that moment together. 
Mm-hmm. And if we're not doing it together, then the improv kind of sucks. It kind of falls apart. The scene falls apart because you just got to buy into it. And I think so much of that is just being present, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but like, I think if we're if we're looking at and yes, what and yes also allows us to do is go. Um, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And also, in addition to, there's something else to be added. It's not a but. It's not a. It's not. It's not. Um, me, me being dismissive of the idea of the opinion because also in improv we keep saying yes to a thing the rule like almost the number one rule in the cardinal sin is like don't say no you know you don't say no to a thing because when you say no you're now closing the opportunity for us to reimagine what the possibilities are and that's what that's what life is you know it's improv is a big experiment and for treating life like improv that means every moment gets to change and that's actually pretty cool as opposed to something we, we need to be scared about, you know? Yeah, that's tremendous. You know, like as a writer, it's kind of a solitary adventure compared to theater or music making with others. And, you know, so it's a fascinating concept. Like, look at that collaboration. Yeah. You know, look at how you can block one another. Or you can have this sort of drama, like, look at me, everybody. <laughs> Don't look at them, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and it's like, it's, and, and I love that you asked, you, you were asking that, Sharon, because the, the, I, 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 I haven't talked a lot about like ensemble work, but, it, you know, I think more so than even sports where, where, you know, we're talking very much about a competitive nature that exists that is, that is really honestly required in order to succeed. There's teamwork, but it's also, I have to better an opponent in order to do this. And, Theater ensemble work, I think, teaches young ki- kids and children that it's not about competition, it's about collaboration. It's really mm-hmm. about working together in order to find a result that we can all um, support, you know? Um, and and I, I think that's why I love improv also too so much because it's it just taps into that inner, that inner being, that place that we kind of tend to lock away when we get older because of fear of rejection or judgment. It, improv gets to open us up if we're open, right, to, to it. So you and I both love to talk about love. So let's talk about love, which is, we are already actually talking yeah. about love. That's what we're talking about. But, um, you know, the way it opens things up for us, uh, for those around us, for all of us. I mean, your daughter did a little improv while we were talking about improv. You know, like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was yes. so cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that was yeah. really great. <laughs> I'm glad you felt that way, Sharon. I'm glad that oh, you moved. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, it was so funny because we were talking about improv and i thought oh there's there's an improv moment absolutely know? always there's let's you know build on that <laughs> let's go let's go with it yes and <laughs> <laughs> yes and literally and 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 continuously <laughs> continuously um so you're a dad i am and uh it's not actually that easy in this world to place a place a premium on love you know mm. it just isn't mm. um so let's talk about it a bit. Yeah. You know, I get the question a lot and I'm interested to hear your response. How does love fit in in those situations when someone wants to harm you or mm-hmm. someone dismisses you because of the color of your skin or um, your religion or your gender preference or anything about you? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, compassion plays a big part in that. Um, and I, I think you are uh, uh a great person to to um, to kind of s- sit in this space with, I, I think, um, because even now when I think about compassion, I think about how you you reframed it for me in real change, right? And like 
how it, it is active, right? This this idea of like compassion being an, an active response to a thing as opposed to being empathetic. And so for me, what I realized is like, if I'm having compassion for self, right? And I'm recognizing my multi-layered experience and the things that I've done wrong and said that may have been inappropriate, right? To people that might've harmed people, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you know? Um, if I can create grace and room and space and compassion for myself in those moments now, where maybe I couldn't have done it before, then I mm -hmm. think there's a world in which I can also do that for others while recognizing the context and the environments that have created the people who show up in those ways. You know, and that doesn't mean I get it, I think, right all the time. You know what I'm saying? There are folks that I, I, if I'm being honest, it's really hard for me to show up in compassion for. And so, but part of my practice has been trying to find something that allows me to not like relate to the person, but at least understand why they are the way that they are. And it doesn't mean there's a, a, there's not like a deep love I have for this person, but there is a, 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 an understanding. And I think that understanding can be in gateway as opposed to holding on to any like angst or, or hate or anger. Granted, also recognizing that I do firmly believe that there is um, love, like love is rooted in certain kinds of anger because that kind of anger can create, you know, a Black Panther party, it can create a snake, it can create all these movements that are like, I'm tired of this thing. I feel disenfranchised. I'm marginalized. I'm now going to create a movement that allows my community to exist in a way where we feel seen, we feel supported, we feel loved in spite of, right? Um, I think that there's magic in that. I, I think also too, the, if we're clinging to anything in that way, like spe specifically when I'm thinking about the anger there, I think some of that love gets lost. It gets muddied a little. Um, and so I think when I'm, when I'm looking at those individuals who like, as an example, like, you know, there was a, a prominent person who had reached out to me about doing a podcast, the person who at one point in time um, was very deep in the throes, I think of the GOP. And, you know, they have a podcast and they wanted me on the podcast. And I said, I, I kindly declined. And not because I didn't want to have the conversation, but I didn't want to have the conversation on a platform that was essentially going to create the things that people like go, this person is right or this person is wrong, right? And then we kind of choose sides. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more invested in like the intentional conversations that are going to have impact for changing hearts and minds and in and, and spaces that are also safe for that conversation to happen, you know? Um, and so for me, I, I think some of that is really, um, it, it, it goes back to, to, to being intentional about the, 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 the conversations I want to have about this um, with the people who I know are also showing, showing up in good faith because not everyone is showing up in that way. And I think I'm, I'm old enough and wise enough to be cognizant of that. Um, and so for, you know, if there are detractors, you know, like I don't, it's like, I don't get hurt. I, I get, I get negative comments sometimes, you know, like very rarely, but you know, when they happen, you know, because of negativity bias, right? Like they kind of ring a little louder, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But um, even with those, like I can recognize, I can recognize the call and need for attention, you know, the the, the need and want for um, visibility and, and using somebody else's platform in order to do that, which is why I don't respond to trolls. You know, I, I don't, it, it doesn't really mm -hmm. do the community any service. It doesn't do my spirit, especially any service, um, but it does service the ego. And so, when it's when it lives in that space, that's the space I try to kind of remove myself from, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, and timing has a lot to do with it, you know. And and um, if you're recently or actively being hurt, 
you know, it's time to take care of yourself and survive and, you know, uh, maybe take care of the people around you and yeah. things like that first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's when, you know, you can find grounds and a little more security or, mm -hmm. or uh, presence, you know, that you might think, wow, this person's really acting out of suffering because when mm. I'm reckless, I'm acting out of suffering. So very right. logically... <laughs> you know they are too and yeah, one yeah. of the hard things and one of the frustrating things is that uh as i said to somebody once and uh, i was sitting i was on a stage uh, actually with norman fisher and a bunch mm -hmm. of other people and in california and someone asked the question about uh political leaders and saying i just you know i find it so hard and i said in response i understand that you know because um, they seem so self-satisfied sometimes. It's like you can't quite get the pain, you know, but I just know that because I am like my own laboratory and whenever I am acting wrongly in some way, it is coming from a place of pain. So even if they don't know it, even if they don't feel it, even if they don't express it. And it's also something about the dedication of a life. It's like, Life's so precious and it's so fleeting, and that's what you're gonna do with it, you yeah, know. Yeah, and like you said, something like the it, it's, you know, your life. What did, you, what did you just say? Like, like my life is like a laboratory or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like my I, own life. Yeah, I love I'm like my own laboratory. Yeah, I love that because like it, it, it that lives direct, like directly correlates what you're just talking to. Like this is, I've been saying this a lot more often as of late, and you know, I, I say it and I try to remind people like I'm not being morbid in, in that way, but it's like this is it. Like at least in this vessel, right? Like in, in this mm -hmm. bodily human form that I'm in. So like why not just show up in love? And like why not just take the opportunity to just, I don't know, do the things that we feel called to do, do the things that we want to do and do things with love? Like it feels better. So like why would I not want to feel better about my myself in the world I live in, you know, and just trying to make room for that. Mm-hmm. So you know, the Buddha has the teaching, uh, Hatred will never cease by hatred. Hatred will only cease by love. This is an eternal law, he said, which I always found kind of quirky because I considered the Buddha like Mr. Impermanence. And <laughs> here you're saying this is an eternal law, um, which is so similar to something Martin Luther King Jr. said, of course, years later, hmm. hatred cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, many of us are taught that love means giving in. Yeah, love well, it. You know, on, well, Sharon. strength derives from other qualities like mm -hmm. relentlessness or vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> like Charles Bronson, you know, like that's right. You know, you think about these the so much, so much. It, it's funny you say that because when you say that, it makes me think of the Charles Bronsons of the world, the Terminators of the world. Like all, like so much of what we're taught and shown, especially through media, is like vengeance is the correct way to solve wrong. You know, and. And because it speaks to like the inner, the inner, uh, the, the the inner ego, like the human in us, that's like I, you know, the prime, the primate in us, that's like I want to, I want to avenge a thing, you know. Um, and you know, I, I think you and I have talked about this, and I bring this up often. You know, the one of the most loving things that I think about was the Black Panthers Free Breakfast Program, you know, um, because it was it was created out of out of an urgency, very loving but very strong, very resilient, and an, an impactful thing that was done. But we've romanticized love so much that it, it, it tends to lose its luster because we've only, keep, we've only kept it in this box definition of partnership and romantic liaisons and all these other things as opposed to how do we love each other from the communal 
um, from, from, from the communal space, from like, how do I love my colleagues? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we broaden the, 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 the spectrum um, that, that love gets to sit? And that's the thing that I'm most interested in that I want to investigate. Like the other stuff is like there, that's cool. But it's, it's really what you're talking about, you know, that I get excited about. Yeah, it's tremendous. And uh, the, um, you know, maybe we don't listen to one another carefully enough, or we have so many assumptions. Because I was just reading on the internet, um, uh, on one of the platforms, uh, some story about um, somebody who is a hospital chaplain, and um, somebody was like ranting, you know, through the night and maybe it was seeming like sort of dangerous and uh like just freaked out and um instead of you know trying to just increase security or which might be smart in some cases but the chaplain went up to him and said uh what is it you need what is it you need and the guy said it was like so touching he said um he needed a cheeseburger <laughs> and some food. He said, uh, the food there reminded him of prison where mm. he'd probably been and that he'd gone to bed in the hospital five nights in a row crying. He was just like so hungry. Mm. And the food reminds him of like the worst time in his life. And, mm. and so the chaplain went out and got him two cheeseburgers and some fries, you know, and, mm. it, and the guy was like, then he was at peace. And, mm. You know, we don't think when you say the the free breakfast movement. I think we don't think let's feed one another and mm. take care of one another and mm. you know those those basic so primal terrors we have yeah. of not having enough and mm. uh, and people don't have enough in many cases. Yeah. Um. You know, and mm. so uh, working with that and reminding ourselves that nothing is gonna co nothing good is gonna come of people being hungry it's just not yeah and mm. and we can address that instead of like only freaking out <laughs> at the results of all that yeah 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 because so much of that is driven by fear you know and like and i think not being present right like Sharon, like when i think about the story you shared i think about like being able to pause you know so you know at, at my day job like we there's this thing called like the pause moment that we have for like clients right and so it's an opportunity to kind of like look at the creative work and give the client an opportunity to go, okay, what's working? What isn't working? Is this working? You know, we're just getting really curious again. You know, like I, I think about, you know, my, my the favorite, people I love the most, like you, you included, are, are, are the most curious people, you know, just asking questions about the world. And when we pause, that gives us an opportunity to go, okay, what's actually happening here? Because so much of that is like the the, the trauma response, it's the egoic response, mm -hmm, whatever. Because mm -hmm. it's like, this is the thing that my body is used to, you know, like even the the, the, the brother on the other side of that conversation, like they're, 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 they're responding to trauma and be, mm -hmm. they're in their trauma. And so like, that's what we're getting and we're seeing the surface, but because we don't, because we think we don't have the capacity Right. We're just kind of, we, you know, we see it in New York all the time. It's like, you know, you see a person who's struggling with something. It's like, okay, well, I don't have time. You know, I don't have, I'm late for work or I got to get to the next thing or I got to do the next thing, you know, and, and, and it's this. And it's like, you know, we pause. There's so much, there's so much we're missing. You know, it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, not listening properly. And I think sometimes we think it's, it's really about the, the, the hearing, 
like with our actual ears, but it's like if I'm listening with my heart and I'm intentional about this, there's a lot. There's a lot I get to catch, you know, in 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 this world if I'm just trying to pay more attention and be present for it. Well, I loved what you said about uh, curiosity, because um, you know I see this this kind of a growing interest in research and and in just uh, conversation about awe and the feeling of awe and. Um, which I also read about in this book, and, and I think of it as kind of the cousin of curiosity, mm. because if we don't stop and, and really kind of like, who are you, or mm. you know, where are you mm. coming from, or what is this really? Mm. You know, I came in here and I was having like a trauma response, or I, I was having a reaction based mm. on some past thing, you know, or some assumption, and if I don't stop and kind of get underneath it and see what is really going on here, actually, not just my projection um we don't get the chance for that kind of awe and it was interesting because i was talking to somebody about how um my assumption had been that most people think of awe and describe awe, and in fact quite a bit of the research about awe has been around kind of majestic scenes you know like big nature scenes and kind of the overwhelming nature of a far you know a redwood forest or something like that and we feel awe, and uh, in contrast to some people who very um, purposefully talk about awe, you know, hearing someone's story, mm. like wow, you know, you mm. came through that, or yeah, you know, yeah. look at that, you know, like well, look at what you you did, you know, like mm. you created that, and yeah, it came out of nothing, you know, it came out of brainwaves or something, you know, like <laughs> yeah. look yeah. at that, yeah, uh, you know, and and the person I was talking to said. Actually, they said there's some research that shows that most people feel the biggest sense of awe not looking at the redwoods, but from mm. one another, mm. from people, if we only stop mm. Mm. and pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I think our relationship is an example of that, you know? Like, I, I you know, I, I don't, like you pausing, I mean, you know, shout out to Lynn, Lynn Manuel for like being the, the, the connector that he is without even necessarily knowing that he was. Um, but the idea of, oh, like what, like who is this person? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you know, you reaching out had such a profound effect on me because what it, it made me realize was like, oh, this, that the world is so much bigger than, than we think it is. And like, we're so much more connected than we think we are. And if we're paying attention to that, right? Like there is so much opportunity to be, to, to, to be inspired by that. You know, like my, my awe a lot of the time comes from like, you know, it's like, you know, 625, 615 in the morning and I'm walking Dilla, like, you know, my, 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 my bulldog in the morning and it's like super quiet on on the block. It's like nobody's outside, you know, the, the, the sun is kind of slowly starting to rise. So the sky kind of looks like a pink purplish and it's like, wow, this is really cool. Like this, that, that I get to be a part of this. You know, that I get to live this life and experience this, you know, like that, you know, I, I feel like I, I have some level of, of awe every morning, you know, or every day. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I was walking Lila, my daughter, my oldest one, I was walking in from, 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 from school today. And she was just telling me about, um, we were talking about class participation and she was talking about phonics you know, and, and, and like what she's been learning in English class. And I was in awe of how she was explaining to me, um, like, the way she's understanding the English language. And, and you know, it, it, it was just kind of blowing my mind to hear my seven-year-old 
talk about phonics in a way that she wasn't talking about it maybe three months ago, which to me means she's paying attention, she's understanding the coursework and she's learning, she's expanding. And it's just really cool to see that work happen in real time for her, you know, in a way that I think gets overlooked when we're, when we're adults, like we learn a thing and it's like, you're supposed to do it. And it's like, but how amazing is that? That like we can yeah. pick up a book, learn something, and then that gets implemented into our daily life. To me, that's awe-inspiring because not everyone can do that. You know, whether it's a learning disability mm -hmm. or some level of like a disability or disorder that bars us from engaging with mm -hmm. the world in that way. And it's the things that we take for granted. You know, like I have a microphone. This microphone was gifted to me, you know, like some time ago for my for my old job. You know, it's like these things that I've I've I didn't know I was going to need later on, but have mm -hmm. not been in service to me. It's like that this is, this to me is like, oh yeah, it gets, it, 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 it inspires me to continue to try to be more open to like what else is around us, you know? Yeah, that's so great. Well, even, you know, the transition of ages in a child, you know, that not just the three months of your older daughter, but, you know, moving from infancy to this walking, talking creature and then, you know, and the things they know and the things they say and the things that change as they go on. It's extraordinary. Yeah. It's and, and like and I get to see the like this chasm between like my seven year old and my three year old. And like it, it blows my mind every time to see how A they interact and engage with each other and also to how completely different they are, you know, with regards to how they show up in the world and how they choose to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's just it's it's um you know, if, if I'm treating myself like a laboratory and this life like an experiment, right, then I get to I get to practice these things with, with my with my children in real time and they respond or don't respond, you know. Um and I don't know, it it's magical. It's magical because we're again, if I'm if if we're really present for it, we get to see all these different things. You know, there was um forget the name of the the, the author. He um uh, he wrote this book, Here I Am, uh, this fictional book. He also writ wrote another book that was, um, his first name was Jonathan. I, can't, I wish I could remember his last mm -hmm. name, but I've never forgotten. There was a chapter in this book where he's the character, the father character. He's talking about, he says something along the lines of, if I knew that this was going to be the last time that I was going to read my son a bedtime story, I would have cherished it a bit more. You know, and I think about that often because there wasn't like, so like when I would read Lila bedtime stories, I was always cognizant of that because the day came. I remember the day when she was just like, no, I, you know, I want to, I want to read, I want to read this by myself, you know? And like, sometimes she might ask me to read a story, but she's past that age now. There's no, you know, she doesn't look for daddy to read her story. And it's like, oh, but I know I appreciate it at the time. So it doesn't feel as sad, I think. And I could be wrong. I could be making that up, but I think it feels in my spirit. I can imagine what it would have felt like if I hadn't been not prepared for it, but acknowledged the fact that this thing is a thing that will be true. Um, and so just being settled in that space as opposed to the space yeah. of um, um, non-presence, I guess, you know? Yeah. No, I think you're right. You know, like, because uh, I think that regret, which I hear so much say, later in life, you know, towards the end of someone's life and mm -hmm. the things that we regret are not, man, I spent so much time reading my child's story, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, I was never home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to live life fully means to engage in those things and not, not to be so strategic about everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's not important enough or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's not, 
building my reputation or my career or yeah, like, you know. <laughs> the things that the things that we can't keep. You know, granted, like there's nothing we can take with us, right? But I think the things that we cherish more often than not are the memories we create with the people that we love. Um, and and we we lose out when you know, like I work, I work a lot. Like I'm very cognizant of like the work I do, but like the work that I do, I love. And so part of my work is also trying to implement ways to create more room for like things that are non-work. But even my love practices work, as some people might say, because I'm a Capricorn, so like everything is framed around work. But I've also mm -hmm. been trying to kind of revolutionize how we talk about work. At least for me, it's like work gets to be loving, um, you know, and if more of us showed up in love in the things that we work at and work with, then I think people would actually be a lot happier considering we spend so much time working. Um, and so I want my work to be loving, you know, across the board. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, it's the idea though of like, I want to make sure I'm making room for the things that matter. Like this conversation to me is like, I get to talk to you, you know? So it's, mm -hmm. you know, like that to me is cool. You know, like that's, that's, it's part of the work, but it's like loving work. And so I invite that, like I have it now, like there's, like, you know, no one could ever, no one could ever say like, I haven't, like, I like Sharon is not my homie. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's with this proof, you know? And that to yeah. me is more important than, I don't know, like some thing title that I can get that can be taken away from me at a whim's notice because someone Yeah, that's it. beautiful. You Thank know? Thank you. Yeah. Which brings me to my next topic, which is gratitude. I do feel so grateful for you, truly. Yeah. Um, you know, and some people feel that if you're doing inner work, it means you aren't going to try to change external conditions. And so mm -hmm. gratitude is an interesting example of that because some people believe it. And, you know, it's pretty prevalent that if you feel grateful that um, you're just going to accept crumbs, you know, and that mm -hmm. you're going to let people take advantage of you and so on. But research, I'm told, actually shows differently that if we practice gratitude, it gives us some energy. Yeah, yeah. And then with that energy, like with that juice, we can sustain an effort towards change otherwise life it could be too hard or it's mm -hmm. disappointing all the time but um you know it, it's just a delicate thing to talk about gratitude without fully understanding that it actually gives us strength and yes. energy and yeah uh it's not really a band-aid it's it's something um every day can give us yeah. a kind of resilience mm -hmm. and replenishment yeah 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 and you know like yeah. what I, when i when i think about gratitude and a practice of gratitude I think about something I shared with you earlier about like being content because what I was worried about too was, oh, I'm not striving anymore. Does that mean, I don't know, I'm going to be lazy or I'm not going to continue to push myself. But in actuality, because I'm so content, I get to say yes to things that are more closely aligned with my value system and, and who I am as a, as, 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 a, as a human, as a creative, as an artist, as a black man in this world. Like, I just say, I only say yes to the things that excite me. And that is a privilege I'm, I, I am grateful for, but it's also a privilege I've worked for and I've earned, you know, through saying yes to a lot of things I did not want to say yes to. Because I knew I was, at those times, I was grateful that people were coming to me for things that were deemed to be opportunities you know some of that stuff was unpaid me or me performing for what some would consider to be peanuts for me at that time it wasn't because like you know i was struggling check check trying to feed my first my mm -hmm. first child and figuring the world out but I, I i think for me it's just been it's it's there's a level of excitement when, when it comes to being content and having and, and being being grateful and having this gratitude practice because 
I get to just show up fully as myself in the spaces because these are the spaces I've invited in, you know, um, because I've, I've, I've been open to saying, okay, I just want, I only want the things that are going to challenge me, you know, um, you know, I've been, I've been asking for more ease, you know, in my life. And, and that's, I think sometimes a very strong contradiction, especially if you're a black or brown person who's grown up in a community where, you know, and like, I think this is for all people, but I, I think, especially when I think about some of my, my, my black and brown folks, that this notion of the, the, the capitalism and, and having black wealth, which has become a very big conversation for us. And so much of that is steeped in like striving, right? And, and like this Western idea of having and accumulating and, and, and having things, assets, right? Um, and so much of the, the wealth that I've, I've gained has been through having conversations with you, sharing space with, with like sharing space like I did with my homegirl Deja last night, you know, like really, um, but that was an opportunity that came and it came because of our relationship, a relationship that I'm grateful for. Like the, us and I having a conversation now is because of the seeds you and I have planted in this relationship together, you know, and that's the thing that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, and so like some of that is also me being cognizant that I be, I'm top of mind for people because of how I show up in the world. Not mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm giving, like, it's like I'm paying anybody, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, we're feeding each other. You know, you were talking about mm -hmm. this earlier and like, how do we get to feed each other? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many practices that, that center around like, act, like food being a way that we serve each other. Right. And I think because mm -hmm. there's a level of gratitude for recognizing when you don't have much and if all you have is love, that is sustenance, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's the thing that I, I find to be most rewarding. And the more that I've leaned into that, if mm -hmm. like opportunity is the thing that's important to me or to a person, the more I've leaned into love, the more opportunities I, I have come from that. And I'm grateful <laughs> for that. You it's know? really beautiful. Yeah. I love what you say about, I mean, everything you're saying is just pointing to how extraordinary this existence is. Mm. And yeah. um, I've quoted you in my book saying, oh, uh, we put so much pressure on ourselves to make something extraordinary out of this existence of ours when in reality, our breath, the mere presence of our flesh, our feet touching the ground, and our hands reaching for a forever burning sun is as extraordinary as we need to be. Hmm. So that's awesome. Oh, inspiring. <laughs> I'm listening. Really. I'm like, that is actually, because even you reading it, like, I'm, like it, it did make me like, uh, you know, I think I remember one podcast you and I were talking and I, I was, I think I was talking to like, even now I'm looking out the window and like, you know, the wind is blowing branches are like kind of moving and swaying. And it's like, my eyes are recording all of this. Like my brain is interpreting the thing that I'm seeing. That is wild. Like, how does that yeah. even happen in yeah, less yeah. than a millisecond of like this thing that my, like I'm gathering all this information. Like how does that how does that not inspire you to go oh shit like what what else what else what else is happening that I'm missing yeah. you know yeah. like that's that's my thing you know like what else am I missing so like even after the event last night Sharon I was standing outside and I'm just looking at the sky and it's like the, it was like kind of partly cloudy I'm like this is wild that I'm getting to do this you know like it is unbelievable it is it's unbelievable to me that. A black boy who grew up in the Bronx, whose father didn't have a lot, has the opportunity to kind of like live all the things, everything, Shannon, that I, I know that he he would have wished for. And I'm and I just turned forty, you know. So like 
God willing, I know there's like a lot more, but like right now though, right now it's pretty, pretty fucking awesome. That you is know? so beautiful. You know? Too great. Yeah. So unfortunately our time is coming to an end, but every one of these encounters is like a building block toward actually being together. It is. I know, know? it's like the, the suspense. Yeah, no, really. He's like, <laughs> it's so cool. So I'm wondering if ending our time together, you could lead us in some kind of reflection or practice or uh, share some kind of um, poetry, whatever, whatever you move to do. I pray you are checking the metrics, the vital signs. Open the blinds and remind yourself you are here today. What you say out loud is just a manifestation of blessings. Adjust your posture and adhere to the knowledge and lessons. You ain't gotta wait. You can take a vow right now and proceed with your fate. The road ahead means you are never late. You see, your peace of mind is in between the marginal lines of mediocre and the next great thing at the nexus of joy worn on your heart sleeve like a tattooed sling. If the caged bird sings, then you too can make your way to the rapture. And after the fact, the captured moments of solace you may lack are no longer in the distance. Just another row in the arc from the rest, from the tongue to the breast, from your rest to resistance. No, thank you so much. Thank you, Sharon. It's been a incredible delight as always, Joelle. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to be continually inspired by more of Joelle's wisdom, as I am, you can find him on Twitter at I just got this. It's also AKA stands for also known as, right? Yes. I just got that this moment. <laughs> it's J O E L A K A M A G. Yeah, because M A G is my rap name. Okay. Yeah. Just this moment. I was enlightened. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> or on Instagram. Uh, I am Joelle Leon. I A M J O E L L E O N. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sharon. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Sharon's work, her virtual offerings, classes, courses, really all things Sharon. You can visit her website at SharonSalzberg.com. This has been the Meta Hour podcast from the Be Here Now Network. May you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, and may you live with ease. <laughs>